Today on Podcast by the Bay, we speak with Len Materman of the One Shoreline Project, dealing with the sea level rise here in the San Francisco Bay. The solution to the, to the issue, if you believe that what one city does on their shoreline affects other cities, is to get everybody moving along in their planning and, uh, and not to kind of freeze planning to wait until everybody is, is, uh, builds at the same time. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is a production of Bay City Communications and is sponsored by Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com And now, another podcast by the Bay. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Today is Thursday, it's the 2nd of February. I have a great opportunity to interview the Chief Executive Officer for One Shoreline, that's Len Matterman. In the spring of 2020, Len was appointed CEO of San Mateo County Flood and Sea Level Rise Resiliency District, One Shoreline, the first countrywide independent government agency in California focused on these climate changes and impacts. From September 2019 to September 2020, Len served as a public policy practitioner and resident at Stanford University Center for the American West and with colleges of Stanford and UC Berkeley. He was a contributing author of two recent books on financing and implementing large-scale resilience. Previously, Len served as an executive director of the San Francisco Creek Joint Powers Authority, where he led the largest completed multi-jurisdictional sea-level protection effort in the state, for which the SFC-JPA has been highlighted as a model of regional collaboration in Wall Street Journal, Los Angeles Time, and other major medias. Prior to leading this, Len served as a consultant to nonprofit foundations and U.S. State Department as an executive producer of a film of Water Broadcast Authority on Water Policy as advisor of FEMA and FEMA's representatives on two White House task forces to his work in Washington. Len was the Director of Government Affairs at UC Berkeley, where he received two Chancellor's Distinguished Service Awards. Len has a degree in political science and biology from UC Davis. Welcome, uh, Len, to Podcast by the Bay. Thank you very much, Patrick. It's good to be here. Currently, uh, 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 Len serves the uh, 20 cities in San Mateo County. Several efforts to address flooding and sea level rise and coastal erosion in San Mateo County are already underway. Um, it's currently Board of Directors. Uh, chair right now is, is Dave Pine, Board of Supervisors. Vice Chair is Debbie Ruddick, Diana Pappen, currently Assemblywoman. Don Horsey, Board of Supervisors, Donna North, Lisa Gaither of South, and Marie Chung at large. His location of his headquarters is in San Mateo. Welcome. Can you give us um, a major reason or that you got into this particular area? What, what, what was your passion to, to do such a, an endeavor right now? Well, I think that um, it's really a critical moment for, uh, for jurisdictions, cities, and counties 
to be planning for climate change. We're seeing the changes uh, happening before our eyes, and this winter was a great example of that with the with the first, uh, essentially the first 49 weeks of 2022 being a drought and the last three weeks being the most intense rain uh, we've ever seen in many parts of this county. So it's a, it's a critical time to get interested in this and, and focused on it. And I saw the creation of a new agency as an opportunity to make an imprint um, in how San Mateo County deals with climate change going forward. As 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 a individual in the community, what what would you say to people in the community that they should be aware of the Bay Area? And when we talk the Bay Area, um, I think you're 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 talking from the San Francisco Airport all the way down the peninsula. Here is that the area that you're focusing on? Well, we focus on all of San Mateo County, so that includes uh, the Pacific Coast side, and it also includes the Bay side. The Bay side it has there's there's 53 miles approximately of San Mateo County along the Bay shoreline. So it's from San Francisco to Palo Alto. Okay, one shoreline partners with the the County of San Mateo and 20 cities and towns within the county, all of which are contributing startup funding to the district. Um, Listed below are different projects which the the county is working towards building solutions for a changing climate. Could you talk about some of the current projects or past projects? I know you guys have only been um, in existence since the year 2020, is that correct? That's right, just over three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so several projects uh, in planning, design, and one has completed construction. So example of the construction project is uh, the cities of Redwood City and Menlo Park and San Mateo County had been working together since 2009 to design a project to relieve relieve the flooding, um, frequent flooding impacts uh, on five mobile home parks. And uh, in 2020, when we were established, that project was still in design, and um, and uh, they handed us the project. It was a very small project, but complicated. And so that speaks to the need for jurisdictions to be working um, uh, across their boundaries. So we were handed the project in 2020, and essentially in the f- next year and a half, we took it from a design process and planning process that had been underway for a dozen years and we took it through CEQA and we put together the funding agreement and we built it. Um, and uh, the proof of the value of that project is that the, even though the storms were greater this year than, than in previous floods, uh, the flooding was much less in those mobile home parks. Um, we also have projects in planning and design in addition to that construction project. Um, our largest project in planning and design is for the shoreline of Burlingame and Millbrae, and it connects into San Francisco International Airport's project to protect against sea level rise. So our our effort is uh, to basically develop a shoreline from SFO down to the city of San Mateo, and then connect in with Foster City's project um, for that's resilient against substantial sea level rise. Now, I think on your um, on your approach with the levy, it's a little bit higher standards than we have put for Foster City's levy. I think it's it, your your wall is going to be a little bit taller than than the one that we currently have in Foster City that's under construction. That's our objective: is uh, is to uh, protect against uh, the current FEMA flood uh, elevation um, plus six feet of sea level rise. And if you compare that to today's high tide, it's about 10 feet above today's daily high tide. We've already seen sea level rise. If you look at the water level in the bay for the last 125 years, 
it's gone up uh, uh, regularly um, and predictably. Um, the difference now is that it's not as predictable and uh, going into the future, and also uh, it's going to be more dramatic. Um, I've had an opportunity to see several of your presentations, and uh, I always walk away with some new knowledge and, and some more questions that I may ask. Let's go back to the Redwood City one and, and talk about the, the mobile home park, which I'm quite familiar with, which is, uh, to most of the audience out there, that's real cl close to the Bayshore Freeway. Um, what in, in the endeavor with, with trying to... Um, to build um, a better levee system out there and a system to be more protective to that particular area out there, is it going to be also important that we deal with the Bayshore Freeway? Because that also, to my knowledge, is, is basically Bayfield too. Yeah, I mean the Bayshore Freeway, about 80% of the Bayshore Freeway in San Mateo County is within an area that is subject to flooding either currently or in the future with, with sea level rise. And um, and that and the area that you're talking about, the five mobile home parks between Marsh Road and Seaport Boulevard, is between the Bay Shore and the Bay, and and the Bay is quite close to the Bay Shore at that location, like it is in other areas too. Um, so the Bay Shore Freeway is critical. Uh, Caltrans knows it. Uh, they've designated many parts of of Highway 101 in our county as a high priority. Um, and there are many creeks that go under it, and, we, and it just in the past month we saw near San Francisco Airport uh, they had to shut the freeway in both directions because there was so much water on it. And they've done that before, and uh, scientists anticipate um, that with these atmospheric rivers and higher sea levels that they'll have to do it even more often. And so um, we, ha we have talked to Caltrans about kind of what, what, what are their priorities, what are our, pri our priorities as as a countywide agency, local, um, and how do those match up in terms of project planning? Well, you know, I've, I've always admired your approach to trying to get funding, and, and maybe to the audience out here, you can tell them how you're trying to tackle the funding and how you actually operate as a kind of like a subsidiary of the government, but more of an action group that, that is trying to work with local government private industries, and, and give us a partnership explanation of how you do that. Well, um, I'm happy, so we've been around for three years. In those three years, we've, on operations, we've spent about $3.4 million, and we brought in almost $20 million for projects. And, um, and we do that in several ways. Uh, local projects, like that project to uh, relief, uh, pro provide relief to the uh, mobile home parks, um, that's an agree that was funded about ten million dollars through an agreement among uh, two cities, the county and the state of California uh, contributed funding as well. Actually, three cities in the county and the state of California, and um, and so in our project delivery, it's going to take a village. It's going to take all of us uh, being in this together, and that's our approach to that project. Uh, in the Millbrae Burlingame project. Um, that was, there was, the funding for that is coming from a uh, state direct appropriation that Kevin Mullen um, promoted um, when he was in the assembly and it was all supported by Josh Becker. Um, so the state has had a lot of money towards climate uh, resilience in the past few years and we've been able to take advantage of that. In regards to the private sector, the private sector definitely has a role. There's a lot of um, private industry um, that is benefiting, that is along the shoreline or near the shoreline, and it benefits from resilience 
in an outsized way compared to um, you know the, the average person in our county. And so we view them as a critical part of the solution um, and not just kind of a, a, a bystander to the process. Um, and so every time there's a new development along the shoreline, we are looking for uh, the private developers to um, build as the part of their project uh, protection, not just for their property, but for the adjacent properties and infrastructure around them. We think that's really critical so that we do not have to go in and retrofit a site that was just recently built uh, for this resilience objective. On the peninsula, there's, there's been talking, and primarily in those areas we're talking about on Redwood City, uh, uh, where they used to have the old Pee Wee Golf Place, too, and about building housing out there. Um, do, don't you think it may be critical that even if they did that thought process that they deal with this first before they just start building out in those areas? Well, certainly they should take this into account. I mean, that area is very close to the bay. It's low-lying. It has flooded before. Um, and to certainly, certainly to go out there and build uh, without um, planning for resilience uh, would be a big mistake. And, and we've seen that occur in other areas, um, other developments that are housing and, and, and commercial and industrial. That's right up against waterfronts, um, whether it's a creek or the bay. Um, we've seen that and, uh, and we or the city will have to go in there and retrofit. And what a retrofit looks like if you build housing right up to the Bay Shoreline is uh, you don't have room to have a levee and a trail and, and open space and the kind of amenities that people want next to their housing. But if you only have 10 feet between you and the current water line and you have to protect that housing, then you're looking at a big wall in front of their front door and windows. And that's something nobody wants. And so what, what we'd like to see in every part of the county is, uh, is that site plans for new developments incorporate um, the future conditions. And what that usually means is create space for the local jurisdictions with the, the private sector involved to, um, to provide protection. It's important to say that one, one thing that we're working on right now, um, this week, is a, uh, is, a, is a draft of what we're calling a planning guidance policy, and we're running it by all of the 12 cities along the bay that uh, are impacted by the bay right now, and will be more so with sea level rise, um, in order to create a, a uniform approach to uh, planning, land use planning, um, so that their general plans, specific plans, and zoning ordinances all incorporate the need for future conditions. You know, we don't want to be, uh, we, we, we can no longer afford for to plan our future by looking in the rearview mirror. That's the approach, and, and we're all in this together. So we want a planning guidance policy that's uniform across all 12 cities. You approached the Governor's Office of Planning and, and Research in the state of California. Can you, can you tell us what uh, BART or Bay Area Rapid Transit is playing in helping you? Well, um, BART is, uh, is not right on the shoreline, um, but their uh, infrastructure certainly affects uh, our ability to be resilient against uh, flooding from major storms. And, um, and their tracks and Caltrain uh, are in certain areas uh, uh, get close to the shoreline, close enough that it's in our so-called uh, sea level rise zone. Um, so, so organizations like BART and Caltrain 
uh, MTC, Metropolitan Transportation Commission, these regional organizations definitely have a role to play, if nothing else, because their assets are at risk. What is your relationship with the uh, flow2bay.org? That's the San Mateo Countywide Water Pollution Prevention Program in Clean Water and Healthy Community. What is, what is their role or what are you working with them on currently? Yeah, I mean, we're, there are several entities uh, in San Mateo County that are concerned with water, and, uh, and we do uh, work with them. There's a, a regional, uh, there's a stormwater program that's run by uh, the City County Association of Governments, and, um, and we are a partner with them on developing re so-called regional stormwater projects. These are projects like what was built in Orange Memorial Park last year in San, San Francisco, um, and there's project planning uh, and design going on in Belmont right now and in San Bruno. Um, and, and so these projects basically will capture water during big storm events. They will hold that water until it's safe for that water to go downstream in our creeks. Um, and, and that water can also be reused in terms of um, non-potable uses in schools and parks to water vegetation. Also, it can be used to recharge our groundwater table. So these multi-benefit projects uh, take uh, multiple jurisdictions and multiple agencies, and so we work with entities like that um, on, on those efforts. Well, you know, with, with the um, current uh, flooding that we had with the storms, uh, do you foresee that um, maybe in other cities that they will be put back in the flood zone? I know San Mateo had some challenging areas out there too, um, and we are lucky in the city of Foster City because FEMA did come down on us and said if we didn't build a wall, we were basically going to have flood insurance. Do you foresee that to, in the surrounding cities as maybe an, another critical issue? You mean the expansion of the current FEMA flood zone? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the FEMA flood zone maps, uh, are, are that's, that's not a, a process that's driven locally. It's driven by the federal government. And in 2012 there were new maps developed, uh, and then we saw the same thing happen again in the spring of 2019. And it was in advance of that 2019 map that Foster City uh, took action and, and the people of Foster City voted uh, to tax themselves uh, to remain outside of the flood zone. So we don't know when the next maps will be redrawn. Uh, twice in the last decade they were redrawn, and, and we just don't know. Will it happen in three years or will it happen in 10 years? I think it's fair to say that when they are redrawn, there will be more properties put into the FEMA maps for two reasons. One is our definition of the FEMA 100-year storm is becoming more uh, frequent, and that's with these uh, atmospheric rivers. And so perhaps the 100-year storm, which is really a storm that has a 1% chance of happening in any given year, will become something like a 10-year storm, meaning it has a 10% chance of happening in any given year with these uh, major storms. And what we saw in December and January uh, in the last two months is really a repeat of what we had in 2021. So when we had two atmospheric rivers right. come through at the end of the year. And so we expect that pattern to continue. Um, so that's one reason I think there will be more communities in the FEMA flood map. The other is uh, sea level rise, is that FEMA historically has not considered that, even though the bay has risen, as I mentioned. Um, and But FEMA is now starting to consider it. And I mm -hmm. think the next iteration of maps will be really the first that takes into account uh, sea level rise in a, in a real way. Uh, what role um, 
do you find the SFO airport is playing helping you? Are, are, I, obviously, you're a rel relatively a new organization or policymaker on the peninsula. Are they listening to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when we had a rollout of our Berlingabe and Milbury project, the director of the air airport uh, was there with us uh, and he spoke um, about the need for this project. Basically, SFO uh, is it has a big project called the Shoreline Protection Program to protect the airport assets. Mm -hmm. um, and they have two choices. Uh, they can uh, build a very large levee along the entire western side of the airport, meaning along Highway 101, mm -hmm. or they can simply connect into the cities to the north and south, meaning to the south is Millbrae and to the north is uh, the city of South San Francisco. It's in their interest, it's hugely in their interest, to protect to the neighboring cities rather than uh, build their longest reach of their project um, as it's currently envisioned. And they know that, and so they have been um, been a good partner to us thus far. They've shared information with them, and we've, we've shared, they've shared information with us, and we've shared information with them. Um, they've given us uh, access to their property uh, to do some technical work uh, as part of our project. Um, and so, you know, I think the airport is a good partner. Um, we basically need to become aligned in terms of uh, how, where our protection ends and theirs begins. Um, and we need to look at uh, sharing costs and environmental mitigations. So we've started those discussions at a very high level um, with the leadership of the airport. And I, I foresee that um, those conversations will be productive going forward. You know, um Funding is the, the most important thing for anyone's success. Um, you know, I was looking at your uh, fiscal year for 2022 to 2023, in which, which was approved in uh, June 27th. Um, have things changed? Are you starting to get more uh, donations and more funding? Um, since the approval of, approval of the budget, I, you know, I, I, I don't know of any uh, particular changes. I mean, our budget... We get our budget, uh, we used to, as you indicated, all 20 cities plus the county contributed to our funding the first three years. So those uh, three years are done. If you take a look at uh, basically that funding plus additional funding from San Mateo County plus that state uh, earmark that I mentioned earlier, um, we basically extend, and efficiencies in our spending, we haven't spent as much as what was projected, um, we've basically taken the three years of funding and extended it to at least seven years of funding through 2026. And so um, so we're pretty confident that we have uh, funding for the next four years and uh, hopefully, hopefully longer. You know, I, I think at one point um, you guys had an ambitious thing of trying to do a parcel tax, I think, in the county. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I, I know sure. some cities were a little more spirited not wanting to do the parcel tax because they're building a levee wall, you know. <laughs> Which but, one would that be? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we thank, we thank uh, former Congressman Jackie Spear for giving us a, a million dollars for our wall in Foster City. So maybe you can talk a little, little bit about, um, a little bit more about the parcel tax and what your idea was that. Uh, and that was a pretty ambitious thing to do. Um, and I think you would have probably needed under Prop 13 two-thirds of the voters to approve that. Is, 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 is that the, the case? Well, so what, what happened with that was um, we and the county of San Mateo, we're, even though San Mateo County is in our name, we're an independent agency. So we and the county of San Mateo together um, for over a year explored the idea of creating a parcel tax 
um, that would build resilience to climate change, um, both the water-related impacts of climate change and also wildfires. So it was intended to be a, uh, a, a large measure with a lot of ambitious goals and uh, to, to really meet the moment of this transformative challenge that's facing our county. Our county is the most at-risk county in terms of sea level rise in the state. That's why we were created. So, so in order to, to address that, um, we felt we needed a long-term funding stream rather than extending three years to seven years and then wondering kind of what's the future uh, for this county in terms of climate. So, so we, plus San Mateo County, uh, together, were exploring uh, the feasibility of a parcel tax, looking at what kinds of things could that fund, um, polling uh, the population to see what their appetite was for this. And uh, at the end of the day, um, if you remember back in, in May, uh, April, May, and June of 2022, there was a lot of concern about the economy. Gas prices were very high. And as you indicated, it required a two-thirds vote. And getting that two-thirds vote in that economic climate at that time um, didn't seem like it made uh, it, was, it was likely to get that two-thirds vote. So it doesn't mean it's off the table forever. Um, I think that if this county really wants to address the the challenge that it faces more so than any other county in the state in this area, it's going to need um, it's going to need a reliable source of funding. Um, so you know maybe that will happen in the future. Until that point, our job at One Shoreline is to align the protection as best as possible for all of our communities and uh, make progress on projects so that people know the value we bring. So the audience gives a perspective. Can you give an example on the sea rise level uh, rise? What is it? Is it a quarter of an inch uh, every year? What, 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 what is the expert saying that we're reaching at, at yeah. that point? So where are we? Yeah. So if you look at, let's, let's take a historical look at that. Um, in the last 125 years, you look at just the bay. I'm not talking about the ocean, but the bay, San Francisco Bay. In the last 100, 125 years, the bay has risen on average one inch every 15 years. Okay. And then you look at the different scenarios for sea level rise for the rest of the century. And there are many different scenarios, and they're based on carbon emissions globally. They're based on what happens to the ice sheets in Antarctica and, mm -hmm. and Greenland. Um, and they're based on what are local tolerances for protection against them. Like what, what do you pick as, as, a, as, a, as a target to protect against? If you look at different scenarios and you take the middle of those scenarios, not the most extreme, like all the ice sheets melt in the next 50 years, and not, not the one that says that the, the countries uh, have already begun to reduce their carbon emissions, because we know that's not the case. So, but you take the middle of the road. Sea level rise under that scenario goes from one inch every 15 years to one inch every two years. So mm. that's the rate of di that's the differential rate between what we've seen and what we'll see in the future. And so what we're working towards is okay, if it's one inch every two years, how high do we build protection? And the number that we picked is to take the hundred year tide, which is a very substantial tide. It's basically about a king tide that we see today. So it's about, we see it once or twice a mm -hmm. year. We take that number and we add six feet. It doesn't mean that on all projects we build to that right away. We believe very strongly in adaptive management. And so we should build something now. We should get the land rights, the permits, the funding, and build something now. 
but enable that building to be raised higher if we need to um, in, you know, 15, 20 years, 25 years, when we realized, hey, sea level rise is more substantial than what we thought back in 2022, or it's not as bad an issue because people have figured out, you know, not how to, how to not uh, send all that carbon into our atmosphere. So we want to adaptively manage for it. We want to build protection now. We want to give people confidence that somebody's working on this and doing something about it and not just kind of, you know, throw their hands up and say this is a global issue we can't solve. So where do, where do, where do we start that? I, I can recall and um, for over the, the last five or six years I attended this stuff on the levee from uh, Corps of Engineers to being there to the Bay Area people from the airport all over the peninsula, Congress, Senate, Assembly. Um, where, do we, where do we start? Where, where is a critical area? When we were building our levee, uh, as an example, I, you know, just to, coming from a, a family of engineers, I always thought that they would work on the bay side first, that they would work on, on building that retaining wall right there in the bay. But obviously, we, we started building the levee, and, and not necessarily right at the mouth of the bay, but we, we, we built it around the, the pathway going, heading down towards Redwood Shores and Belmont. So where do you start? Where, 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 where is an ideal situation? Um, because we're, we're, co we're covering a, quite a bit of distance. What's the distance we're, we're covering here? For this, for this county's Bay yeah. Shoreline, 53 yeah. miles. 53 miles. So where would you start it? Where, where seems to be more practical if you had the funding? Well, I, I think that taking advantage of San Francisco Airport's project and connecting into what they're doing is sensible. Um, because we have, a, we have a specific project by another agency, another county, San Francisco County, that is well-funded and underway, this project. It's not being built right now. It's, it's a, they've completed a draft EIR, and it, so it's far along, but not under construction. So I think tying into San Francisco Airport makes a lot of sense. Tying into Foster City makes a lot of sense. We are looking at a project. We've applied for funding with the support of Redwood City, San Carlos, and Belmont, which constitutes Redwood Shores. Um, we've applied for federal funding, and we have a preliminary indication that we're going to get it to start planning and design in Redwood Shores. Um, we also are planning on, on starting an, an analysis for the city, uh, for the shoreline of the city of San Mateo. So that would tie in on the south side to what you folks in Foster City are building and what we at One Shoreline are planning for the city of Burlingame. So, you know, the, the, the way I think about it is it's 53 miles. There are three big sections of those 53 miles that are either in planning, design, or construction. And if you go from north to south, those sections include SFO, Millbrae, and Burlingame. That's one section. The next section is Foster City, which is under construction. And then the next section is Menlo Park and East Palo Alto, which is in planning and design. So there are three big sections that are doing something in a coordinated way that we are aware of. Then there are three big sections where there's really nothing coordinated going on, and that's Brisbane and North San mm -hmm. North South City. The second section is the city of San Mateo between Burlingame and Foster City, and the next section is most of Redwood City. Mm -hmm. So those are the sections that we are focused on starting up a process to connect into their neighbors. I remember a few years ago um, at the uh, when we had the meeting in. Uh, Foster City and we had all the experts out there, a gentleman stood up and he said, you know, every part of the levee that you build, and we were talking specifically about Foster City, would also impact hmm. Redwood Shores and San Mateo because, in his opinion, was the weight of the levee 
is also going to bring the surrounding cities down to that they're going to need to build up on their their wall too or lack of wall does that make any sense or is it well, i mean and i'm getting into the point where we're just talking about the critical thinking here um, i'm assuming the airport has got a good environmental study and obviously linking the airport is a pretty big link um, uh, to maybe a good good start mm -hmm. so yeah i mean th th there has been a lot of talk and and i th i think that's what you're referring to of how does the bay is obviously a connected system and the cities are connected to each other which is why we need to align them and so what one city does does that affect others and i think um, on the margins the answer is yes i think substantially the answer is no and the the if you believe that if you believe that the answer is yes that what one city does affects its neighbors or even cities across the bay um, if you believe that, then the solution to address that problem is not to hold off on building protection until everybody is on, on board and has the funding to build everything identically, because that's never going to happen. The solution to the, to the issue, if you believe that what one city does on their shoreline affects other cities, is to get everybody moving along in their planning and, uh, and not to kind of freeze planning to wait until everybody is, is uh, builds at the same time. So, so I'm eminently comfortable with Foster City having moved forward, us moving forward in Burlingame and Millbrae, projects moving forward in Menlo Park and East Palo Alto. They should take into account all of the impacts and understand them, but no one should, should, should make the decision, well, until we fully understand the impacts and everybody's ready to build the exact same way at the exact same time, we can't possibly move forward because these projects are too important. They take too long to build, to get permitted, funded, planned, built um, for us to, to wait. We're in a race against uh, climate and climate is not waiting. The climate change that we're seeing right now, it's not waiting for permits. It's not waiting for funding. It's doing its thing and we need to match that moment. And so moving forward with these projects, Understanding the impacts, sure, yes. Dealing with the impacts, yes. I think the impacts you're talking about that you've heard from others um, aren't substantial, and I think there are no excuse to wait. What, what's it going to take um, budget-wise? If you looked at the the uh, totality, and you know, obviously we've got inflation in here too, so mm -hmm. are, are, I'm assuming we're in the billions or trillions of dollars if we had to do the whole 50 miles. I mean, if, um, what would it take? What, what kind of funding do you think uh, it's going to take? And w when you say that kind of funding, you, you've got a model here. And I, you know, I know you've studied the model. How, how can you expand on that model to get more funding? I think you've done an outstanding job getting it, reaching out to the community. But what's, what's, what's going to be the so-called uh, special sauce that's going to help people to uh, realize that what you're doing is impactful for the future? Well, I mean, I think I think like what we did in um, in Redwood City uh, with protecting the mobile home parks is a good model in the sense that basically it's a it's a small project. It crosses jurisdictional lines of, of cities and county, and uh, we put together a funding agreement that involved four jurisdiction local jurisdictions plus the state of California. I think that that's, that's a model. Another model is what Foster City did, which is it said to its residents, if you want to be outside of the FEMA flood zone, not have the insurance burden, both financial and, um, and in terms of project-related burden, then 
you need to tax yourselves and that will be a lot cheaper than the alternative and uh, and provide some level of sea level rise resilience so that's another model and and then there are models where like for what we are doing in Burlingame and Millbrae where we got state money to jumpstart the planning and design process that's another model and then there's also funding from federal agencies including post-disaster funding called the hazard mitigation grant program money or the BRIC grant program um, that funds disaster prevention work. So there's all these different models, they're different sizes, different fits for different projects, but I think that the common thread is between the local, the state, the federal money, and as I mentioned before, bringing the private sector involved. Um, I think that's the model. How that gets pieced together takes time, it takes leadership. Fortunately, you know, we have a board of representatives from different cities, plus two people from the county, you mentioned who's on our board right now, um, and, uh, and, and they want to provide the leadership to bring together, uh, you know, everybody along on this process. Um, so it's super complicated. It's very expensive, as you, as you, you know, mentioned. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's trillions, but it's probably over a billion dollars to do our shoreline, I would imagine. And um, and we're trying to do it kind of one step at a time, but move on it as quickly as possible. Do you, do you have any uh, hopes that maybe somehow you can convince Stanford University or UC Berkeley or some of the uh, academic institutions that share the peninsula um, to maybe maybe make a contribution for uh, this? Well, I mean, so Stanford, um, it's in the hills, right, um, largely, uh, um, or it comes down to El Camino, but a lot of Stanford's in the hills. And, and well, I that's say a that, nice campus they have right off 101. I hate to see that one get flooded out. Oh, the Redwood City Yeah, one. the Redwood yeah, yeah, City, yeah. Stanford, so. Yeah, and in fact, you know, on this Bayfront Canal project that I mentioned earlier that helps the mobile home parks, Stanford was the first entity really to, as far as I understand it, back almost 15 years ago to do studies of the of the flooding issue there because they knew that their campus was was getting flooded already and uh, and was subject to more flooding so yes they have a they they definitely have a stake in the redwood city campus um to be sure and um so i mean that you know stanford and berkeley are providing some good uh uh, uh information uh, there are researchers associated with berkeley that just came out with a big study on groundwater and um, and the effects of groundwater, which we haven't talked about in this podcast, but um, those are very substantial and they'll impact Foster City uh, in the future for sure. Um, and so so researchers there looked at that. At Stanford, they looked at the question. There were researchers that looked at the question of if you build a levee in one city, how does that affect another city? And that's very helpful to our understanding um, as we look at the totality of a county shoreline. So I th- I think. Those institutions are contributing in terms of research. They're contributing in terms of um, in terms of graduates coming into the workforce. You know, with with understanding of these issues, in terms of financial contributions, it, I, it's on the table, but it's not something that. Well, I was kind of trying to extend the opportunity on way government can start to fund their projects. We, we were very um, taken back, but we got a a. Uh, half a million dollars from Gilead's um, basically for our rec center. Um, and if you're aware of the Gilead campus, they did a, a tremendous job with the Purple Pipe. I know in this podcast we don't have enough time to talk about that, so I'm going to have to limit that to another interview possibly with you. Mm-hmm. Um, to our audience, One Shoreline is partnering with the League of Women Voters chapters throughout San Mateo County. 
for a promo of public online forums on climate risk and resiliency. Each forum will focus on a specific region of Bay or Shoreline, Pacific Coast, or on the wildfires and includes brief presentations by panelists from specific regions, followed by Q&A and moderated by the League of Women's. In behalf of Podcast by the Bay, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to speak with you. I'm going to kind of leave with, with, with a quote that's a little over 60 years old, and it was from our, one of our former presidents, and it was John F. Kennedy. Never before has man had a capacity to control his own environment, to end to thirst and hunger, to conquer poverty and disease, and to banish illiteracy and massive human misery. So why not? So why not can't we conquer the problems that we have? Without a dream, we don't have anything. Thanks uh, again, yeah. Land. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast by the Bay. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. You can contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Podcast by the Bay is a production of Bay City Communications and is sponsored by Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com All material and content is property of Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast by the Bay as our handle, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast by the Bay. And remember, you can listen to any of our episodes anytime on any podcast site. Until next time, stay tuned.